Do you want your business to grow faster? Are you open to new and out-of-the-box ways to drive revenues and increase value? How do you imagine the most successful entrepreneurs and business leaders double, triple, or expand their businesses tenfold or more? The answer is deals. This is a weekly podcast featuring conversations with business owners, executives, and leaders as we reveal behind-the-scenes details that give you, our listeners, the confidence to pursue your own deal-driven growth. On the show, we discuss a huge variety of deals, everything from large complex mergers and acquisitions to smaller deals that you can do even without significant capital. My name is Corey Kupfer, and I've been supporting deal-driven growth for businesses for 35 years as a successful entrepreneur, professional negotiator, and attorney. My goal is to help you strategize, plan for, find, and complete deals that will help your company grow faster. Welcome to the DealQuest podcast. Let's get started. Hey folks, Corey Kupfer here, the DealQuest podcast. And for those of you who are watching this on video on our YouTube channel, for those of you who don't know, we started doing um, the uh, the podcast has been audio for 120 plus episodes. Uh, but the last you know 10 or 15, we've also started doing video. So uh, check it out on the YouTube channel. If you're not, if you're watching it on the YouTube channel, you'll notice my background is different. We moved to a new place in our California place. We are building out the studio here like we had in our other place, but it's not done yet. So I am in my home office here uh, with uh, not all my cool sound dampening or whatever, but I think the audio quality is going to be okay. And, you know, you can check out my uh, my background here uh, and check out my home office. So what are we talking about today? Well, the last solo cast I did was on capital gains on the, on the issue or the uh, eventuality that potentially capital gains is going to go up. At least that's what the current uh, Biden administration is proposing. Whether that will pass or not is a big question mark. Um, but we talked about the implications of that for deals. So if you haven't listened to that solo case, you may want to go back. It actually was, I believe, by far, in fact, I know by far, by multiples, my most popular solo cast, in fact, my most popular podcast episode. So everybody's obviously, it's a hot topic. So I want to actually do a follow-up. So this is Capital Gains 2, maybe a deeper dive. And I want to really drill down, you know, into, because, there, you know, the last solo cast, I really just talked much more about the landscape and history and how the fact that there are generally a lot of other factors that impact deal flow. It's not just capital gains rate, right? So, you know, and things like that. Um, and also, you know, mentioned that there are people who are accelerating their deals. But what I want to deal, you know, get a little more into here is to delve a little more into what types of deals are there capital gains rates potentially for. Um, and, you know, some of them are obvious. There are some that are a little less obvious. There's a particular type of deal that we do called uh, a uh, personal goodwill sale that a lot of people aren't familiar with, which I'm going to talk about. And, uh, and we're going to drill down a little bit, uh, you know, and, and also tie it into the current situation as well. So it's sort of, you know, a deeper dive, a, a take two on capital gains impact on deals. So um, a few things. So number one, um, to reiterate a couple of things, what do we see? Well, um, we definitely saw, as I mentioned, I think on the last SolarCast, a lot of folks rushing to get deals done at the end of last year, 2020. And we had a very, very busy November, December um, uh, on, on deals closing, just in case rates uh, went up this year. Uh, I mean, that was, you know, folks who have been super conservative. And frankly, listen, those were folks who were getting deals done anyway. And why not make sure they close in December as opposed to in January, um, just in case. Now, uh, you know, most of us felt, and it's turned out to be true, that it was very unlikely 
that there'd be a, uh, uh, a passing of, of capital gains increase that affected 2021 because, of course, the new administration didn't take over until January. And then, you know, they would have to, you know, get it passed and all that kind of stuff. And then usually they didn't want these things to be applied retroactively because people have done planning based upon what is so. So that's turned out to be, you know, likely the case. Um, so what the, so there is a possibility, however, now that deals, um, you know, the capital gains rates could go up um, effective 2022. Again, big question mark, right? You know, split in Congress, uh, more conservative Democrats uh, probably, you know, may have some issues with it. Um, you know, they, uh, Democrats might not be able to get Republican votes. I'm not in the politics of it, but the, the, you know, the likelihood of it does affect business decisions. So we, again, this year have folks who are saying, I want to get a deal done this year. Now, um, again, most of those folks are pretty much, actually all those folks are folks who want to do a deal anyway. It's not like the tax should drive the business decision. It's not like, oh, we have a great business. We're going to run it for 10 years or even five more years, but capital gains rates are going to go up and now I'm going to sell it, right? There's so many other reasons why we run businesses. You know, it's our calling. It's what we do, how we want to serve clients. It makes us money now in terms of cash flow, um, you know, and yes, maybe, uh, you know, eventually when we sell it. So, you know, how do you make a decision on whether you're going to let this affect you? Well, listen, if you're planning on doing the deal, you know, a deal in the foreseeable future, you know, in the next year, maybe even 18 months, you know, well, you might want to look on, you know, whether you celebrate, you know, accelerate that. If you're years out, you know what, don't let it let, drive your decision. Now, what kind of deals are we talking about, right? I think most people understand that capital gains rates apply to, for example, a sale of a business. You own an entity, you own a business, and whether you sell that, uh, the assets of that business, which, by the way, is how most deals are done, if you know anything about deals, probably, you know, I'm, I, I don't know the real statistic, but in my experience, 95 is probably even low. You know, 97, 8% of the deals we do are asset sales, asset purchase deals. Because the, because the buyer does not take on the liabilities of the seller for the most part. There are some exceptions. It's not legal advice. It's a podcast, right? I am a lawyer, not your lawyer. That's always a disclaimer. But um, the, the point is that um, uh, that if you're selling the assets of the, uh, of the company, whether it's the entire assets or even a portion of them, uh, there's capital gains rates generally on that. If you're selling the equity, right, stock, membership interest in LLC, partnership interest, whatever it is, there's generally capital gains rates on that, depending upon what your tax basis is, based upon what you either paid for it or if you started the company and you didn't have any basis to start with, you know, what, what basis you've gained over time, you know, by, uh, you know, through retained earnings or whatever it is, right? Again, speak to your tax advisor. Um, any gain above that tax basis you have is tax to capital gains rates, which are significantly lower currently than the top ordinary income rates, right? Um, I mean, you know, it could be a, a difference between paying 20% capital gains and, you know, what is it, 37.5%? I forget, we used to be 39-something. Now it's like the, uh, the last Trump change, I think, cut the, the, the top rate at federal to 36, 37. Plus, of course, you have state uh, capital gains rates too, depending on what state you're in, uh, the rates you know, may be different or, uh, and there may be a couple of states that don't tax capital gains. So, um, so it's a significant difference. So that traditionally sale of a business, sale of assets of a business, uh, sale of, you know, real estate, for example, uh, you know, any kind of hard asset sale, right? Now, so if you're selling your business, you're selling equipment, you're selling anything that's at a gain, it, it's applicable. Now, I mentioned earlier, I'm going to talk about something that a lot of people aren't aware of. 
um, where uh, you can do this personal goodwill sale. Um, so let me explain what it is. I'm going to tell you that the IRS uh, is um, that that it's allowed under regulations, but they look at it very, very closely. So you got to do it right. So uh, what is personal goodwill? Let's say you are an employee at a company. Most people think, but you have a, a book of business, so to speak, right? You know, you're a service provider. It comes up a lot for us with financial advisors, with right investment advisors, people who manage money. So they may work for a um, UBS or Merrill Lynch or Morgan Stanley or um, you know Goldman Sachs or whoever it is, right? Um, and or maybe they're employed at a, a independent broker dealer, right? Uh, the LPLs and the Meriprises and Raymond James, or they have even an independent RA firm, but they're not the owner. The point is, this is the key point. They are not the owner of the business. They are an employee of the business. So um, in that case, most people think that employees have nothing to sell um, and, or at least nothing to sell that qualifies for capital gains, right? But if you have a client list, right, a book of business, right, and this can apply, by the way, to insurance people, to accountants, to lawyers in the places where nowadays you can sell uh, legal practices, you never used to be able to, um, and, and you're not the owner of an entity, most people think, oh, or a lot of people think, oh, I can't, I don't get capital gains on that. Maybe I can do some sort of revenue share over time. And in fact, I had this recently, you know, with a, uh, with a, with a buddy of mine in the, um, in the uh, wealth management field who works at a, uh, with, it was affiliated with an independent broker dealer. And a lot, the way a lot of those do, deals are done when somebody, if something happens to somebody and somebody takes over their practice is that they do it on a rev share basis. But the thing is on a rev share basis, um, that's uh, most of the time, the way that's structured, it's ordinary income um, to the seller, or it's not even a sale in that case, it's just a rev share. So so if you are uh, the advisor or, again, any service professional who uh, is deceased or, or uh, becomes permanently disabled or maybe retires, whatever the triggers are for your book of business to transfer to somebody else, well, um, you know, a lot of people do it as a rev share and then it's ordinary, whatever money you get as ordinary income to you, which is not the best tax treatment right now. Uh, and on the flip side, though, the buyer or the person who's taking over your book uh, in a rev share, it's not really a buyer, but they take it over your book. They uh, get a tax deduction for the payments they're paying you, which is good for them. But from the transferor seller point of view, um, it's not as good. Um, in a situation where you have relationships, okay, and this is the key point, it's not just your employee. Yet. If you can show that you are able to control this book of business, the clients rely upon you. If you left, they would come with you. The far majority would come with you. So even though you don't own legally the client relationships, right? They have contracts with the company you work for. Um, they're not going to stay with that company because it's a personal relationship business. You have built up personal goodwill. What do we mean by that, right? In a lot of companies, a lot of their value on the company level is a goodwill because they don't have a lot of hard assets, especially in service professions, right? The goodwill is their client list, right? Their reputation, things like that, right? That's company goodwill. But if you are the one with the client relationship, if, if people look at you as their person and they would leave that company to come with you um, because they're really there for you, then you have built up personal goodwill. And that is a transferable asset subject to capital gains rate if you do it right. And there's some tax you know, nuances and Language that have to be that has to be in agreements.
Um, but in this example, instead of, uh, of my friend, instead of doing a revenue share, we said, let's do it as a um, transfer of personal goodwill so that if and when uh, it gets triggered, you, your estate, um, get capital gains treatment on that money that comes in, okay? So what is subject to capital gains is a broader range than a lot of people think because of this personal goodwill uh, uh, situation. Well, right now, that makes a difference. If the, if the tax law changes and if they raise capital gains rates to be equal with ordinary income rates. And again, listen, maybe there's a compromise. Maybe it turns out capital gains rates are going to be somewhere in between. There's still a, a, an advantage of having capital gains treated. But if the proposal goes through and gets approved and capital gains are treated the same as ordinary income, then all this will not matter, whether you did a rev share or, you know, or an asset sale, personal goodwill sale. Right now, it still does. So if you're going to do a deal in 2021 uh, and maybe beyond, if nothing changes, uh, or if there's still some difference in capital gains versus ordinary income rates, these are important things to, uh, to know. And you know, whether you're selling any kind of asset or uh, whether it's personal goodwill, whether it's hard assets, whether it's you're the owner of the company and you're selling you know, the, all the assets of the company, which again, maybe mostly corporate goodwill, right? The client relations, et cetera. Um, you can, you know, no matter how those deals are structured, right? You know, because sometimes there's money up front, some on the back end, there's earn out provisions. Those may play into some of the tax analysis, but at a fundamental level, um, if you are able to sell an asset, including personal goodwill, you'll currently have this favorable tax treatment. Let's take a break from the show for a minute so I can invite you to a new way to determine your deal readiness. I created a fast and easy assessment that will determine exactly how deal ready you are. Once you complete the assessment, I use your responses to identify the obstacles that are holding you back from being a deal-driven growth genius. It's as easy as heading to coreycupfer.com slash assessment. That's coreycupfer.com slash assessment and filling out a few multiple choice questions. I'll be checking in after the episode to see what your results are. Now back to the show. Let's talk about some other factors, however, that impact the decision on whether to sell. And, you know, that um, I alluded to this in the last podcast, but I want to delve into it a little more on how, um, for example, um, you know, the 90s was when capital gains rates were a lot higher than they are now. In fact, they were even above what the Biden administration is proposing to up the capital gains rates back to, you know, um, uh, was a, uh, uh, there were a lot of deals going on. And why was that? So it's uh, just an example. Well, what are the factors that affect deals? Well, one is access to capital, right? And there's a huge amount of capital out there now. Will capital dry up because capital gains rates go up? Uh, you know, not necessarily. I mean, there are a lot of other reasons to do deals. I mean, listen, if you can invest, you know, what, what, what venture capital investors and private equity investors do is they invest in X and they want to get multiples of X. And it's usually not two, three times, right? You know, those are the deals that just do okay. And then there's the bunch that don't do well, but they're looking for the ones that are going to, you know, turn 10, 15, 20, you know, in a multiple, depending on what industry you're in, right? Whether it's a big tech play or even, you know, we have a lot of private equity coming into financial services these days, investment advisory firms, fintech, that kind of stuff, right? They're looking for huge re multiple returns. So if, if, if they are in an environment where they still think they can get those kind of returns, sure, is the net amount that they get after tax going to be lower? But if you can invest a million dollars, 
and get back $15 million, right? And that $15 million is now going to be taxed at a whatever, 39% rate instead of a 20% rate. Sure, it's, you know, it's not as good, but you're still netting, right? On your 14, let's say, let's, uh, yeah, on your $14 million gain, right? You're still netting 60% of that, which is the $9 million profit, as opposed to 80% of that, which is a $12 million profit, right? That's still a deal that makes sense to do. So as, as long as uh, the economy is strong, business is strong, and people think that they can get multiples on their returns, not that the difference in capital gains rates and the impact on their on their returns, because they do projections and they and that helps, you know, that, that influences their, their investment decision. Um, but at certain of those multiples, they're going to still deal the deals anyway. Um, the other, you know, uh, uh, point of it is that if you are the business owner and, you know, at some point you're looking at, at selling your business, there are a lot of reasons people sell a business. Time of life, you want to retire, right? You want to move on to a new business. You're tired of it. You uh, have a health issue. Um, you um, need to uh, raise capital, expand, you know, which is a sale of part of the business. You know, all of those factors don't go away. People aren't going to run businesses forever just because capital gains rates are higher, right? Uh, in some industries like real estate, and it doesn't only apply to real estate, it, it can apply to other types of assets. It may encourage um, more like kind exchanges. They call them 1031 exchanges, which is a reference to a tax code section. And uh, people in real estate are more familiar with this, where if you buy a like, so let's say you own a multifamily residential building, and then you sell it, you sell it again, as opposed to paying tax on that gain now, if within a period, a certain period of time, and there's all kinds of things you got to follow, so I'm not detailing every step of this, look into it. Um, but if it, with a certain very short period of time, you roll that into another like-kind investment. So in my example, you own a, um, a, a multifamily uh, residential building, you roll that, and let's say you bought it for $5 million, and, you, and now you sold it for $10 million, right? Okay, if you roll that $10 million into another multifamily residential building, or there may be other kinds of real estate that are still considered like kind, all right, then you defer the, the, the gain on that. You don't have to pay capital gains. So there are ways um, around having to pay capital gains, by the way, that exist now, but may become more popular as, as rates go up to defer those capital gains just to get the time value of money or maybe to make a bet that at some point, you know, uh, the, the winds change and capital gains rates come down again, right? So there are more creative ways that may come into play if capital gains get, rates go up that will also help facilitate deals getting done, like 1031, uh, like kind exchanges, which again, used mostly for real estate, but don't, don't have to be. There are other kinds of assets that you can sell at a profit and then buy a similar asset uh, class and still uh, defer the gain on it. Um, so I think, you know, if rates go up, it'll, it will encourage that, um, you know, also may encourage um, how deals are structured, for example, um, you know, to uh, to play, you know, play things, you know, uh, over time, because um, if the, um, you know, or, or maybe uh, even go the other way, require more money up front because, uh, the buyer is, uh, you know, not getting as much cash total. So maybe they want to get more upfront, you know, but, but whether that's possible also depends upon the market circumstances. So, um, should we panic? No, I think I made that clear on the last, uh, on the last podcast. Um, 
plenty of deals have been done uh, with capital gains at, at various rates. Should we take it into our planning? Uh, yes, but again, it shouldn't be the main driver. Um, uh, and then keep in mind that there are capital gains opportunities in different areas that you may be less familiar with, uh, this personal goodwill one being a particular area. Listen, always you should get great legal and tax and accounting advice. Uh, this personal goodwill area is tricky. You don't want to get uh, the IRS uh, to reject it at some point on an audit, you want to make sure you do that right. So definitely get your your advice there if you're thinking about doing that. Um, so uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Um, listen, if, if anybody has any questions at any point, right, on how you structure these deals, on uh, you know capital gains, on whether you should be potentially doing a deal before capital gains rates go up, um, definitely reach out to us. Uh, you know we do we're doing a lot of this stuff in cross industries. I mean, boy, we've done we've done deals. I mean, you know, we have this focus in financial services. We're doing a lot these days, investment advisory, but we do a lot in tech still. We do a lot in we've done restaurant deals. We've done licensing deals. We've done building and cleaning and maintenance company deals, vitamin companies. I mean, you you name an industry. We've probably done it. The ophthalmologies, you know, roll ups, uh, you know, uh, but, you know, uh, financial services, tech. Um, uh, we've done some manufacturing even. Uh, and I say even because, you know, we we operate out of out of big cities generally, but we have we have clients all over the country, and they're on all different businesses. So wherever you are, whatever you need, you know, if you have any questions on this, um, you know, we do a lot of these whiteboarding sessions to help folks structure. Um, act, you know, if you're on the acquiring side, for example, and you want to put a program together to acquire. Uh, in fact, I got two of these coming up. I got one um, uh, coming up. Um, in uh, next week in uh, in California, and then one in in New York with clients in the financial services space who are looking to do multiple deals to acquire. And we are doing a whiteboarding session where we go through with them why and who they're targeting and what their value proposition is, and then what the model we're creating around that is, and then what the deal structure is within that model and what the documents look like and how they integrate the deal and all that kind of stuff. So we do a lot of this. Happy to talk to you about it. Um, you know, smart, just smart to really take into account what might happen with capital gains, but not to panic. It's never good to panic in business, never good to have tax policy be the 100% driver, but it should be a factor, as I've said before. Um, and i um, happy to uh, happy to take uh, any of your questions or comments at any point. Uh, so, folks, until uh, next week, when we will have a guest interview and then a few weeks later, we'll we'll have the next uh uh, solo cast. Uh, I look forward to um, hearing from you and seeing you on social media. Thanks for listening. Corey Kupfer, I'm out. Thank you for joining me on this episode of DealQuest, where we help you understand how deal-driven growth can be your ticket to freedom. I want to invite you to a unique way to tap into the wisdom and experience of the DealQuest community. Join the DealQuest Deal Den Zoom calls, a free monthly 90-minute mastermind. In the Mastermind, we address all the challenges you may be facing and help support you with the opportunities that may arise in terms of deal-driven growth. You will get input not only from me, but all the members on the call will collaborate and serve each other in a Mastermind format. To sign up for the free Mastermind, go to www.coreycupfer.com slash dealden. That's coreycupfer.com slash dealden. I'll see you there. I'm Corey Kupfer. Until next week, wishing you the freedom and financial prosperity that I know your deal quest will bring.